The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. We will come back from this devilish illness. We will come back to health and robust health. And though the UK will be changed by this experience, I believe we can be stronger and better than ever before. Well, from stay at home to stay alert, the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson lays out a conditional plan to bring more of the UK back to work, but does stop short of ending Britain's lockdown. France and Spain begin easing lockdown measures today, with just over half the Spanish population entering phase one of its exit as the country registers its lowest virus death toll in two months. Asian stocks follow Wall Street higher as investors shrug off the U.S. jobs report and cheer the restart of economic activity around the world, while the PBOC says it will step in with more support in China. The EU threatens to sue the German government over the court decision challenging ECB bond buying, saying national jurisdictions cannot override European law. And Elon Musk sees red. The Tesla CEO says he will leave California over the state not letting him reopen the carmaker's plants, as he also files suit against the local county. Very good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box on this Monday morning. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has outlined a series of easing measures to restart the British economy, but also stressed now is not the time to end the lockdown. In a televised statement, Johnson encouraged those who can't work from home to return to the workplace, while also setting a broad roadmap for schools and restaurants to partially reopen. Well, Steve joins us uh, with more on this story. And Steve, you know what? After the announcement, I couldn't figure out whether there was more clarity or confusion on the approach the UK is taking. Help us out here. Yeah, I think you're right, Jeffrey. I'm afraid to agree with you on the latter point. I think there was a lot of confusion, also a lot of criticism, of course, uh, from opposition parties, from devolved assemblies, uh, from the unions as well, just saying how the prime minister and the government is going to make workplaces safe for those who have got to go back to work if they can't work from home uh, remains to be seen. The only thing I will say, uh, and not to defend the government, but we're going to get a lot more detail today. Now, at 3 p.m. today, Boris Johnson is going to stand up in Parliament, just uh, a stone's throw away from Downing Street, where I am today as well. Uh, And at the same time, a 50-page-plus document will be unveiled, which is going to give a lot more detail as well. So I think yesterday was the the starter. Today would be the main course uh, for the government's plan to end the lockdown. But let's just go through a few bits and pieces. One, you've now got this five-stage alert system. Uh, I know we've got a graphic of it as well, but I'll just say, one, uh, the most um, uh, heavy level of lockdown is critical, number five. Then it goes to severe, then substantial, then moderate and low. And at various stages, parts of the economy, economy can open up. And I believe we're pretty much uh, in stage number four as well. But tell you what we can do. I'll I'll go through some of the details of what the Prime Minister said and what the government has unveiled. But why don't we first hear from the UK Prime Minister who was speaking at 7pm local time yesterday. No, this is not the time simply to end the lockdown this week. Instead, 
we're taking the first careful steps to modify our measures. And the first step is a change of emphasis that we hope that people will act on this week. We said that you should work from home if you can and only go to work if you must. We now need to stress that anyone who can't work from home, for instance, those in construction or manufacturing, should be actively encouraged to go to work and we want it to be safe for you to get to work. So you should avoid public transport if at all possible. Because there is a narrow path that needs to be walked here from the government. On one side, the concern about the economic collapse we are witnessing, as we saw with those devastating numbers from the Bank of England uh, last week. What was it? 25% in the second quarter, I think 14% plus seen in economic contraction this year. So there's that concern that Rishi Sunak, the Bank of England, and of course the Prime Minister have on one side, uh, and on the other side, the safety of the UK population. Uh, and I thought part of that bite really uh, underlined just how difficult it is. He's saying people who can work from home must still do so. People who cannot in manufacturing and construction should probably try and get back to work, but don't use public transport. Now, there's a, there's a, a very difficult path for those workers because a lot of them do use public transport. And we saw those horrific pictures of the tubes at an early stage where they were crammed in because there were less tube services uh, and a lot of construction workers trying to get in. So that's one area of contention and concern for opposition unions. And as I say, uh, parts of the United Kingdom, including Scotland and Wales, who are just not buying uh, the line from the UK Prime Minister, and they will have their own plans uh, for getting people back to work as well. But what else have we had? Well, the unlimited exercise. I mean, it's proved uh, very interesting that, that now it seems that outside uh, looks like it is a safer bet, according to the scientists and uh, the, the, the chief medical advisor and that as well. So you can enjoy parks and public spaces uh, without exercising. So you can sunbathe, Jeff, if that's your fancy, or go uh, for a dip uh, in the sea um, and, and use those spaces as long as you have the two-metre distance. Workplaces are going to get detailed guidance and I know CNBC has been working on their own plan as well uh, for social distancing in the office where you lot all are today um, but there's going to be deeper um, detailed COVID secure workplace guidance coming out from the government as well uh, playing sport Jeff I know you're a great golfer uh, anyone's a great golfer compared with me uh, but as long as you and Mrs Cutmore or perhaps the kids want to get out on golf course you can do it with your own family um, from Wednesday as well garden centres uh, can be open from Wednesday for you fancy uh, growing some tomatoes or something in your household. So there are lots of things that are changing. Uh, and one for me coming back is that uh, some primary school children from the 1st of June uh, will be able to go back. We understand if the schools are ready. And of course, we know a vast number of teachers and the, and the unions supporting those teachers are very, very concerned about the safety implications for their members and indeed for the children as well. Uh, reception, year one and year six. Now, I've just got one child in one of those groups. So that's just one potentially I can get uh, back at school if indeed it is a safe scenario as well. So there's lots of things that could happen at a later date, uh, which is put in this. But lots that's not in there as well. Uh, and I know that you've, uh, you guys have done a read in the studio as well about no mask uh, comments as well. And we didn't hear much more about this potential quarantine of passengers as well, which has been so contentious for the airline industry and for the airports as well. So there's a lot in there, but we think there's a lot more that's going to be unpacked today in this 50-page document. If there isn't, there's going to be some huge questions asked, as indeed there already have been by the likes of Sakir Starmer, the leader of the opposition, Jeff. Yeah, I, uh, thanks for the golf reference, Steve. Enthusiastic rather than competent is probably my level on that. But it would be nice to get back out on the courses. Just to circle back to that, um, 
It is interesting that we haven't really heard anything about masks, not a lot about vaccines or about testing either from Boris Johnson so far. So one hopes that maybe there'll be a little bit more information in there uh, over the coming days. But I know that you've been out to a number of these testing centres and I saw more grumbles over the weekend suggesting that NHS staff and others are having to travel quite large distances just to get a basic spit test done. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? I, I did remember when you asked me a question on Friday and I only answered part of it. So let me finish off that question about testing. You're absolutely right. Um, my cameraman, Mike, and I, we've been keeping an eye on what's been going on at Chessington. Funnily enough, it's on the route home for both of us. So it's very easy to have a look in there, which was one of the first uh, NHS stroke army supported uh, testing centres. We also uh, stumbled upon one, actually, at our camera point near Canary Wharf in Greenwich uh, a week or so ago. And, and to be honest, I have seen a lot of activity but that's just very anecdotal. But in terms of the actual numbers, well, the government made this big play about getting to 100,000 tests a day. Well, they've missed it the last eight days in a row, Jeffrey. The last set of test results we have is 92,837 on a daily basis. So it's a, it's a much better number than we were at a while back. But when the prime minister is talking about getting to 200,000 tests, and as you quite rightly say, some of the key personnel out there are finding it difficult to A, get the test, and B, get the test results back quickly. And we understand at least one batch of tests had to go over to the United States for analysis due to some technical issues as well. And you add into that as well that there are rumblings of disputes between Matt Hancock, the health secretary, and indeed the prime minister as well, which apparently was smoothed over at cabinet over the weekend where uh, the prime minister said, oh, Mr. Hancock's doing a great job as well. But again, real concerns about what's going on there. The only thing I will say, and again, it's about what we haven't heard compared to what we're hearing. We haven't heard much about PPE in the last few days as well, and I'm taking that as a positive sign because, of course, if that PPE, the protective equipment, wasn't getting to the front line, I'm hoping we'd still hear about it. And, of course, the media would be used uh, to put the pressure on the government uh, to ramp up suppliers there as well. So I think there are a lot of things happening. But, again, on the vaccine point you were talking about, again, I think we're going for a quiet period here now. Lots of hopes about what's going on at Imperial. Lots of hopes what's going on at Oxford University near you, Jeff. um, But... Again, it's going to be a long haul on the vaccine front, despite the hopes, of course, on a transatlantic basis and, and comments we heard from the US president about vaccines as well. But testing, antigen testing, antibody testing, a lot of promises have been made, uh, but they don't all seem to be meeting the targets at the moment. No, absolutely. And Steve, we'll come back to you uh, a little bit later on, because it would be, be good to talk a little bit about this uh, call for people to go back to work if they can go back to work. But They should avoid public transport if they're going to do that. Again, a lot of people, I think, finding the messaging confusing. But we'll go back to Steve and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Because that does that actually mean that we're going to see economic activity partially return to something that looks like normality? Well, let's focus on the markets for a moment. Here's a quick look at what the U.S. futures are indicating in terms of the open here. And this positive tone uh, seems set to continue. We're indicated... uh, at least 150 points higher at the start of the trading session with the Dow Jones. The U.S. markets, as you'll know, uh, closed out Friday in robust fashion with all of the major indices over one and a half percent higher. It didn't seem to matter that we saw 20 
1.5 million jobs lost through the month of April. That poor economic data and news did little to deter those investors who wanted to chase this market higher. And of course, it, it just encourages this idea that we are heading towards something that looks like a V-shaped recovery, building that sense of confidence towards a V-shaped recovery. But I just wanted to share with you the Monday market wisdom from Longview, a company that we occasionally talk to, who are just advising, keep a careful eye on the high-yield corporate bond market. Watch for any movement in credit spreads as perhaps an indicator that some of the momentum may begin to come out of the equity trade. We haven't seen a great deal of movement, as they point out, in credit spreads. We've had a 34% rebound for for the S&P from its intraday lows there is always the risk that the market begins to whiff something that looks like a demand drought or a demand problem and then the prospect of imminent recession. Not happening at the moment though, is it? Look at the markets as they grind higher. Let's show you Asia as we uh, figure out or try to figure out where we're heading in the European session here. And as you can see from the Asian markets, they pretty much just picked up from where the US left off on Friday. Perhaps a little surprising not to see the Shanghai Composite getting more enthusiastic about the action that we've seen from the Bank of China, the People's Bank of China over the weekend. But we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through the rest of this hour. Coming up, we get a view on the U.S. economic outlook after the unemployment rate soars to almost 15%. We'll do that when we return. And a reminder, if you like what you see every morning here on Squawk Box, you can catch up with how all of these stories evolve by checking out the podcast. If you enjoy Squawk Box Europe, check out the Brave Ones podcast. The series explores the rise of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Through exclusive interviews with family, friends and colleagues, the Brave Ones podcast features stories of determination, resilience and ingenuity. Available on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google Play. The Brave Ones podcast presented by Credit Suisse. Welcome back. China's central bank has signalled it will continue with policy measures to support the economy amid the, quote, unprecedented challenges created by the virus. The PBOC also announced it's cut interest rates on its standing lending facility, the so-called SLF. Uh, let's get out to Sherry here. And Sherry, what I also thought was interesting in the commentary is they seem to have dropped this commitment to refrain from flood-like stimulus, which perhaps suggests that there is now more of a focus on growth and job creation. That's right. I mean, you know, as of uh, the last quarter of 2019, they uh, their quarterly review actually had this phrase that they will avoid excess liquidity flooding the economy. But what's interesting this time around is that 
they decided to drop that particular phrase and uh, creating a lot of buzz, at least in the media. But they also added that they're going to implement a quote-unquote normal monetary policy. I, I'm assuming that that means as opposed to negative, uh, you know, negative yielding, sort of, you know, this ample, uh, in aggressive uh, stimulus that we see in some of the European uh, countries as well as in the United States as well, or I should say the Japanese economy. Yes, so the PBOC certainly sounds like they're going to go for more. Uh, like you mentioned, SLF is another acronym into the policy tool mix here because now they're tinkering with the short-term loan rates as well. And uh, this is just yet another effort to pump more liquidity into the system. And of course, this follows, or this, I should say, comes in the lead up to the parliamentary session that we are eyeing very much uh, closely that is uh, supposed to start on May 22nd. The PBOC did acknowledge this unprecedented economic challenges because of the coronavirus. And, uh, you know, apparently unprecedented is really the most commonly used word in corporate earnings season. And now the mainland Chinese essential bank is using that word to describe what they're uh, you know, facing in terms of the economic challenges as well. And of course, they also vowed to expand credit support to some of the hardest hit uh, sectors like agriculture and trade. And they also vowed job creation. And of course, when it comes to job creation, especially when it comes to mainland China, obviously we keep uh, focusing on the U.S. unemployment rate. And of course, there, there was the steep drop there reported last week. But when it comes to China, this it will mean uh, something different. It, you know, it's directly linked to the social, uh, you know, cohesion or the unity uh, factor in China. And of course, that's something that the mainland Chinese, uh, you know, central uh, bankers as well as financial authorities will very much want to keep at this point as they are struggling with the coronavirus as well. Jeff? Yeah, and Sherry, can I pick up on that? Because I think something that the markets are going to have to think about this week is the fear of a second spike or further mini spikes. And we've seen fresh cases in Germany. We've seen some fresh cases in Korea. We've seen fresh cases in Singapore. And perhaps more worryingly, when we thought that China was beginning to signal the all clear, there's been this new cluster of cases in Wuhan. Now, given that where you are in Hong Kong, they were just beginning to allow more people to gather in restaurants and they were going much further down the road on this whole uh, relieving the lockdown story. How is that new cluster of cases being reported where you are? And what do we think's happened here? What's gone wrong in terms of the um, control mechanisms that are in place in that province to make sure that they stamp out this virus? Well, so certainly this kind of mini clusters, as you call it, in you know nearby regions or countries, I should say, in the region, certainly will prolong the travel restrictions that we've got going on between territories and countries. And of course, as you said, uh, Wuhan's story was not over because they did uh, confirm the first case in oh, about a month or so in that particular epicenter of the coronavirus. And we're also now hearing this particular province 
that's very close to North Korea, bordering North Korea, that particular province is seeing, you know, a pickup in cases as well. So certainly, uh, you know, we might be talking about some easing of a social distancing within the province or within the country, within mainland China and within Hong Kong. But this movement, uh, you know, restrictions between territories and countries might have to go on a little longer than some might have hoped for or expected because certainly this virus is not going away. As you mentioned, you know, when we're talking about those new cases in South Korea, that was one of the countries that was touted as a successful beater of the virus because of aggressive testing and uh, contact tracing. And we now see, you know, double digit growth in those numbers once again in that particular uh, country as well. So when it comes to, you know, reporting in China, uh, about the coronavirus cases, uh, you know, some of the state-run media might actually, not, I don't want to say spin it, but may highlight the reopening side of things. And of course, we do see some improvement in these numbers. Uh, you know, for example, the industry body for uh, Chinese auto sales, uh, they are actually set to come out with their April numbers, and they were expecting some growth in these auto sales numbers for the month of April. And that's actually the month that we were seeing China as well as the state-run media really highlighting how they're ready to reopen the economy. And of course, these mini waves can actually always come back, though, to bite, uh, you know, dent those numbers down the road. And that's going to really further prolong the, you know, the duration of the virus and the longer we have to deal with it, the deeper the economic pain we've got going on potentially in many different countries. Jeff? Sherry, thank you very much indeed for that. And this second cluster story is something we're going to have to keep a very close eye on, I think, uh, particularly as we watch what happens with the jobs numbers in the United States. Unemployment in the U.S. may have already hit 25 percent, according to Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin. Speaking to Fox News over the weekend, Mnuchin warned the numbers will probably get worse before they get better. But he added that he expects a strong rebound in the second half of this year. The Treasury Secretary also refused to rule out further fiscal support for the hard-hit economy. If we need to spend more money to protect the American worker and the American public, we'll absolutely do that. But now having spent $3 trillion, we're going to take a few weeks. Steven Mnuchin, the U.S. Treasury Secretary. The U.S. economy lost more than 20 million jobs in April as the lockdown sent the unemployment rate to 14.7%. That was below expectations, i.e. the number was expected to come in higher. Uh, But that number delivered is still the highest level on record since World War II. The leisure and hospitality sectors suffering the biggest losses, losing 7.7 million workers. Um, Let's just circle back and uh, look at this second spike story because it's being reported that that is why we've got some weakness in the oil price here. Also, Goldman's analysts suggesting that the glut may not clear for some time, not until we are into 2021. Steve, let's bring you back into this. This because this is your area of expertise. Um, it did appear that the prices were beginning to rise as people took another look at this storage question. And actually, some of the uh, oil tanker rates were beginning to fall. 
because people were asking questions about whether Saudi supply would be as high as it has been going forward. But it just looks like this issue around second waves is beginning to get the market to refocus on the glut. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, one thing that we continue to look at is the demand side. And of course, it is appalling the demand at the moment. Uh, the airline industry, we've talked a lot about it, we'll talk more about it, is being absolutely devastated inside the lack of economic activity globally, despite the, the restart in places like China as well. Uh, so there is still a vast uh, lack of demand out there. But what I'm more interested in the supplier side of the equation as well, and what the reaction is across the board. And we've heard it, haven't we? We've heard it from Equinor when we spoke to Elder Cetera. We've heard it from Bernard Looney when we spoke to him. We hear it from every oil expert. The fact is, uh, OPEC, OPEC Plus, but also those who are not part of that group as well, including the IOCs, including the shell players, are cutting back aggressively. It's just a question of how quickly they can cut back. And by the way, just so that we all know, it's the uh, June expiry uh, next week on the 19th as well, just so that we don't get another scenario where the sharks turn around and say, you look real muppets, we didn't tell you. Because of course, there are some geniuses out there who, who, who saw the negative price out there. But um, but yeah, so I think there is a devastating cut going on in Shell. We saw it from BP cutting a large amount of their operations, albeit temporarily as well. And CapEx is being cut aggressively. We heard it from Total. We heard it from Royal Dutch Shell. So I think there is a supply response. So I'm just interested in when that equilibrium is reached. Uh, obviously, Goldman's who have called it uh, low, have called a $20 oil. Uh, and, and we're right, let's be honest about it, for, for the most part, uh, they think it's going to take a lot longer uh, to work through the system. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.